welcome to the No Nonsense Nutrition Podcast with Shredded Ed, Cardio Johnny, Paul C, Matt Mork Super Troll, and Brazil Hadley. The best infotainment show around where you'll hear us joke, banter, and debunk all the nutritional myths you've heard time and time again, helping you get fit, healthy, and shredded. Yeah, cool. Welcome to the No Nonsense Nutrition Podcast. Today we have another special guest, Francesca Bolt. How are you? I am very well, thank you. How are you guys? Cool, good. We've also got Ed today Hello. and uh, Paul, no surname. No surname, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> change yeah. it to that by default. Yeah. Uh, well, one day, mate, you're going to have to release it to the listeners and let them know what it is. What should we do, like an episode 50 special? That'd be quite cool. Yeah, that's it. Or yeah. maybe 100 if we get that far. <laughs> sure we will, two years down the line and we're still doing it. Cool. Keep going. Um, that. Yeah. Yeah, so Fran, um, thank you ever so much for coming on. Obviously, uh, extra special guest as you are, especially being part of the uh, MNU family. So um, yeah, obviously you're going through the, the study the same as us guys are and obviously doing your internship there as well. So um, really want to get you on just to talk about sort of some of the, let's just say your journey, your journey from some of maybe the, the, the past stuff that you've kind of been through to where you are now and be really probably best place to start is from the beginning. So maybe you can just talk a bit about from the beginning and how you've transitioned over to where you are now. Cool. Yeah. Thank you for the warm welcome. Um, uh, the beginning is always a good place to start. So I guess we will just jump straight into the deep end, kind of like taking the podcast a bit deep a bit quick but um so basically in my um final year of GCSEs I was um a classic part of the sporty sporty group at school like we all played rounders and netball um athletics we pretty much did absolutely everything um and I didn't really have any issues with food at all I always had a really healthy relationship with food like my family brought me up on good food, good cooking, treats at the weekend, that kind of thing. Um, and I didn't really have any hang-ups with my body issue either. Um, like, I never really gave it too much thought. And, like, I was always sporty, so I always had a reasonable amount of muscle mass. But anyway, um, that summer, I decided to go on a diet for my holiday, as, like, a lot of teenage girls do around about the age of 16. Um, and that diet quickly became quite obsessive because I have a, well, a relatively obsessive personality um, and when I get stuck into something then I sort of like I give it my all so I dieted I lost a lot of weight very quickly um, I used my fitness pal tracking calories and that sort of thing um, and back then I had no idea what a macro was no idea what carbs protein fats were I literally just knew that I had to eat this magic number of calories that my fitness pal told me to eat and it worked. So I guess I was a flexible dieter. I would still eat ice cream. Literally, I used to live off the, um, you know, the cart door light stuff. I'd eat like half a tub of that because it was really low in calories, but um, or relatively low in calories. But basically, long story short, that quickly turned into more of an issue. And my family started to notice. Um, I started to become a lot less interested in doing sports and exercise. And I eventually completely stopped doing netball, stopped dancing, stopped playing rounders, stopped doing all these things. Um, and then by the time I was transitioning into sick form, I was changing schools. And I was pretty much at that point really quite ill. 
Um, and that was at the time I was diagnosed with anorexia. Um, when I was first diagnosed, I was actually told that I had the mental state of someone that was anorexic, but I wasn't at the right weight, which is the best or the worst thing that you can hear as someone that has a mental um, illness or an eating disorder is that you're not skinny enough. <laughs> I was going to say, what does that mean by not the right weight then? So to be classed as anorexic, you have to have a BMI of below 17.5. And I think mine, because bearing in mind I had a relatively high um, muscle mass because I was very sporty, uh, was probably around the 18 mark when I was first sort of, when my family first took me forward for treatment. Mm. Um, and then that literally was the catalyst to, and I literally spiraled out of control after that. I just barely ate and lost interest in everything. My school really suffered. Um, my friendships all suffered. And I actually, unfortunately, lost quite a few friendships that I never got back. And it's a time in my life that I don't remember much about because I've kind of blocked it out of my mind sort of thing. Um, but I, I know that I was quite ill um, and I was lucky enough that my family recognised it and got me into treatment quite quickly. We went privately rather than with the NHS, which I know is a luxury that a lot of people don't have. But it was a point where my mum said it was a waiting list of six weeks for the NHS. And she was like, you, you literally don't have six weeks for us to spare. So we're going to fork out and pay privately. And yeah, my family were a rock throughout the whole thing. Um, so that's the very, very beginning. <laughs> um, but then over that um, time period, I uh, sort of gained weight and lost weight over probably about two or three years. I would um, sort of like gain weight and then relapse and then gain weight again. I went through vicious cycles of over-exercising. So I actually um, got the grades to go to University of Southampton to study geography um, after A-level year. And I went to university and relapsed massively. I was cycling like over 100 miles a week, running on top of that. Um, I was a triathlete. I saw myself as an athlete, but actually I was really, really disordered with my relationship with food and exercise. Um, so I dropped out of university after the first semester and I um, had more treatment. I actually went in as a day patient into like a psychiatric it was like a private it was like a giant house for the um like people getting treatment um but yeah and it was that summer then after um relapsing for the final time that i um sort of begun to actually properly get better and actually properly want to gain the weight back and then that ties in quite nicely to when I first got started with fitness so. yeah so what what kind of changed or triggered to make you want to gain that weight back then because obviously you talked about the the uh episode with the doctor and saying that you know you've got the mental state of an anorexic but you don't have the well, you're not thin enough or lean enough or your BMI wasn't small enough so what changed between then and obviously doing your uni getting to the point where actually I've now I see it, I want to lose weight, because obviously, you know, what we talk about here is, I suppose, like you said, a psychological um, issue, for want of a better word. Yeah. Um, so what, what changed? So 
I think that from when the doctor first said, you're not ill enough, I think that I took that obviously very badly. And I then went on and proved that I could be ill enough. So I obviously lost more weight on top of that. Um, and I eventually got to a point after dropping out of uni for the first time, it was kind of like a reality check. I wasn't allowed to exercise. Um, I literally had no friends, which sounds really sad. But like, I felt like I'd lost all of my connections with all of my friends around. Um, and it kind of got to the point where, like, not to go really, really deep, but I realised what I'd done to my family it was one of the main things. And two things that drove me to want to gain weight. One was, um, like, seeing my family literally break apart. And two was the fact that I wasn't allowed to exercise. And I've always, always, always loved exercise and being healthy. And it was a motivation for me that once I got to a healthy weight, I would then be allowed to slowly incorporate more exercise in. Um, my parents actually bought me a road bike when I when I hit a BMI of 18.5. <laughs> so, um, like, I suppose that was motivation to start gaining weight. And then I met the first ever trainer that I had um, at the gym that I actually now currently work at and I'm really, really good friends with the trainer still. And she introduced me to powerlifting and I was quite strong, oh, sorry, there's a plug, um, quite strong uh, for my body weight when I first sort of met her. So I'd obviously gained enough weight to be allowed to exercise safely um, by this point. But she taught me how to deadlift and she taught me how to squat and she taught me how to bench. And I literally just fell in love with the process of getting stronger and progressing those things. And then the fact that the food that I was eating was really, really fueling my performance. And um, I ended up looking better. People started to compliment me on how, um, how strong I was uh, and like, I probably shouldn't say this, but there was a boy in the gym at the time and my trainer said, hey, X, I'm not going to say his name in case you ever listen, <laughs> <laughs> thinks that it's really cool that you're um, getting into like powerlifting and that you're like quite strong. And at the time, like I hadn't had a boy fancy me for years because <laughs> I've been like in the spiral grips of anorexia. So that was obviously quite nice as well. Yeah. Um, but yeah. So I literally fell in love with the process of getting stronger and learning how to lift weights properly. No, oh, that's cool. Question from sort of thinking about maybe somebody's listening to this and that they're unsure on maybe uh, what are the sort of the trigger points of uh, or what are the things like the, the telltale signs potentially of maybe somebody is suffering with either anorexia or you know something along similar lines because I imagine at the time you didn't particularly think there was anything wrong or anything going on but to anybody outside they may may they may see that but you can't mm. so I never I don't think once through the whole year like through any of the time that I was ill I never actually said I have an eating disorder I have anorexia I refuse to believe it um so it was my parents that first picked up on the telltale signs and obviously for them it was quite um, apparent that I'd lost a lot of weight. It was quite apparent that I was refusing to eat with the family and 
sort of tracking things on my fitness pal. And actually what I didn't realize at the time, and I think really, really would have helped on reflection, is my friends, like my three closest friends, went to their mum and said, we think Francesca has an issue. And then obviously their mum spoke to my mum, but I never, ever knew. Like they never said anything to me. So I always thought, oh, everybody else thinks I'm normal. Everyone else thinks I'm fine. Um, But actually everyone was flagging concerns. So to anyone that like maybe had a friend or a family member or something, I think talking about it would definitely be sort of helpful because I think for me if I knew that other people were concerned it might have helped me sort of recognize the problem myself a little bit earlier on the flip side to that I will say that you might be met with um sort of like a brick wall because when my parents first addressed or like expressed their concerns to me I was like so shut up about it I didn't want to talk about it but ultimately obviously it did help me and led to me getting the right help that I needed so were you, of, were you yeah. shut off because you knew there was something going on or was it because you you didn't know I think by that point I probably knew but didn't want to admit it because I didn't want to change at that point And I think if someone literally doesn't want to change, it's very hard to tell someone that won't admit it themselves that they need to change. Um, But I think family and then finding out about the friend thing later on did help me realise and almost admit it to myself, although I would never verbally say it out loud. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, no, I was going to say, yeah, weirdly, because... Like my mum, not been diagnosed, but is definitely anorexic. Like she's probably under five stone, I'd imagine, five and a half stone. But there's just nothing. Can't. She's been to doctors. Obviously, she's got tablets for certain things like thyroid problems now. And um, but yeah, she there's just no approaching it with her. There's nothing I can do. She won't admit it. Yeah, I think it, yeah, it's really hard. Um, I don't know. It's hard to see loved ones go through that sort of, like, it's really hard to see a loved one go through something like that and feel like you can't do anything. But to anyone that does have, like, a loved one or a friend or something, I think just being there to support and talk and celebrate the small wins. I literally had my parents, like, cheering me on to eat a chocolate bar like or cheering me on to be able to go out for a meal or something so I think even if you don't talk directly about it just being with that person and appreciating their concerns about food or appreciating their situation and helping them wherever you can would be really sort of like helpful to them but obviously in your scenario with um with your mum, if it's been sort of like a long-standing illness, is until someone wants to make a change, it's very, very hard to ever like approach that subject with them. Yeah, I, I was I was going to say something similar in that. Obviously, um, I'm assuming none of us are psychiatrists or or technically qualified, but 
um certainly my experience kind of has been around that until unless people are really wanting to change it is incredibly difficult because you try and do your best to do all the things you pretty much said in terms of just being supportive and talking to them about it but I mean I've found certainly with with people that I've spoke to about them it's very difficult to get through even though you you know you know you've got their best interests at heart and you may or may not be in the right approach but you know you are trying but it's just difficult to get people to kind of see what you see because I guess that's the nature of the illness itself is that they don't see what other people see which is why they are where they are I don't know if you felt the same when when you were in yours I guess yeah no definitely I think because I didn't ever see myself as ill I mean the things that like I said before the things that really helped switch my mindset was when I realized how much I was missing out on so obviously I had to drop out of university which was a very hard decision at the time and I realized that like a lot of my friends were getting on with their lives and I didn't actually have very many friends anymore Um, and like I said I, I literally it killed me what I was doing to my family so like I think sometimes it takes a massive reality check just to like almost like a slap in the face that actually things aren't okay and then that's like the the trigger point to make it change but um I wouldn't say that it wasn't like something went in my head and I was suddenly like all right I'm gonna recover now and it was a really really easy journey because it wasn't by any means and I think the fact that within the fitness industry or within um sort of within social media it's so acceptable to like um like we were saying offline earlier it's so acceptable to eat healthy and exercise a lot that then once you get to a healthy weight or you get back to healthy it's really really hard to work out if you're still actually sort of living with a little bit of your eating disorder still and a little bit of like an exercise obsession or whether you're just conforming to like the social media norms or whether you're actually okay and you actually have balance in your life rather than does that kind of make sense what were some of the treatment protocols you were going through when you were in the sort of the rehab phase Okay, so I was first given a dietitian who I absolutely hated, really didn't get along with, and she basically gave me a really, really generic meal plan of 2,000 calories, which is, was obviously way more, this is right back in the beginning, way more than I was already eating, um, and it was literally just carbohydrate, 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 it was like cereal, biscuits, bread, pasta, ice cream, literally just forcing bland food down you basically to make you gain weight and um it was obviously a meal plan as well so it was quite rigid and where my family had always um eaten dinner together and we've always gone out for dinner and had home cooked foods and like a wide variety of vegetables and meats and that sort of thing so I didn't ever really follow the plan that the dietitian set me I kind of took the concept of, um, I suppose I flexible dieted around the meal plan. So I took the, um, I took the calories that the dietitian had given me and I made my own meal plans and my mum made meal plans for me as well. She was an absolute rock. She used to work out the calories of all of her home cooked food just so that I would eat it, which is like amazing. So 
we literally have um, recipe books with like the calories scribbled next to it. Um, and she would make me pack lunches to take to school and stuff, all fitting in line with like the calories that I was meant to be having, but obviously not like the bland, boring food that was on the plan, like, I don't know, potatoes with nothing on them and chicken, which wasn't seasoned. And there were some fairly like memorable times when I was in treatment. Um, I remember one that drives my mom absolutely crazy. I, um, I managed to persuade them to let me have oats instead of cereal for breakfast. I don't know how I managed, but I managed. Um, and then I asked them for a banana to go on my oats and they said no. And I wanted the banana in addition to my meal plan. So I was happy to have the calories of the banana to go on my oats because I couldn't face eating bland, plain oats. And that's, that's just mad. Like that. That's just mad. I, yeah. that, I, don't even, I can't even respond to that because my mind is blown. You know, when you think about the principle of someone that, or, or the principle of anorexia is obviously being underweight, you want to get yeah. someone to put on weight so you won't allow them more food? Yeah, it was really like ridiculous things. Like, I used to say to the dietitian, like, I don't like hobnob biscuits. You're telling me to eat two hobnob biscuits, which is like 160 calories or whatever it is. Can I have a Nutri-Grain, a Nature Valley granola bar instead, please? Yeah. I will say, <laughs> what I will say is you are wrong in saying that you don't like hobnobs. I mean, at the, <laughs> no, I joke. At the time, I really wanted Nutri-Grain Valley, but, but I do actually like hobnobs. If, if they're covered in chocolate dipped in tea... Yeah, well, if they're covered in chocolate dipped in tea, they're incredible. I mean, I, d I do agree. Yeah. But, but then I think that comes sort of comes to the point, I know, like, because you're being told you have to have that hobnob, you're just going to develop that bit. Well, actually, especially coming from someone who obviously has you know, suffered from not wanting to eat because, but then there's someone telling you, right, no, you've got to eat just this. It's kind of that you're bumping heads you're just coming up against more resistance whereas obviously hopefully at some point a dietitian that is sort of sympathetic to anorexic uh, problems and sort of bulimic problems would probably say no okay i understand what you're saying you want to eat more yeah sure eat what you want yeah eat these calories in whatever way you want i mean i i felt like i would rebel against whatever she said because well, it was in my personality, like, I don't like to be controlled by someone else. Like, I didn't like her telling me what I could and couldn't eat. And uh, so the fact that she would tell me, no, you, oh, you can't have the banana or whatever, would make me, like, I remember literally being like, fine, I won't eat breakfast. Like, that's how my mindset worked back then. It was like, well... I can't do what I want then I'm not going to eat breakfast and then half to you because now I'm not eating kind of thing just just mm. uh, I know I know it's a slight tangent but mm -hmm. your your rationale for not wanting hobnobs was it anything to do with and this is an assumption I know you should never assume but does it anything to do with the fact that you saw granola bars being more healthy or was it purely you just didn't really want a hobnob or so it's just funny that the two things you mentioned Nutri-Grain bars and Nature Valley things bars are probably a lot of things that people would consider healthy foods yes yeah I suppose on reflection, maybe there was a part of my brain that saw the hobnobs as less healthy. But at this point, I didn't really have much of a problem with healthy and unhealthy foods. Okay. I suppose I wasn't really in the fitness industry as much as I am sort of now. So at the point, 
my biggest thing was calories. Like I didn't have orthorexic tendencies at all. Like it was literally like the thing with the least calories or the calories that I thought were okay for me to be eating is what I'd be eating. So uh, like I gave the example earlier of like the walls or the not walls cart door ice cream like I would see no problem eating half a tub of ice cream for 200 calories and I would much rather do that than have 200 calories worth of nuts I also struggled with um worrying that I was going to feel hungry again and I knew that those granola bars which were bigger than the hobnobs would keep me full um fuller so uh, like I don't really know if it was a slightly disordered thing but I mean now like I do like hobnobs and I do like Nutrigrain Valley bars and I would probably have the yeah I'd have either now so uh, no, like, it's just, it's, it was just interesting just because I mean like I say it just sounded funny because the two things you picked were what what people consider healthy I wonder whether that made your mind or not I didn't know if it would or wouldn't but at the time, it wouldn't have. Like, I did go through phases later on, um, later on in my recovery, where I started to become more aware of healthy foods um, and more aware of the fact that, um, like, some foods were demonized. But at the beginning, and especially when I was first starting in my recovery, I literally, it was all about calories to me. Cool. So I know we're at sidetrack then. I know you're talking about the kind of the, the recovery protocols you follow, but yeah. I, thought it was <laughs> I told you what I didn't follow. <laughs> yeah, sorry. The things you didn't follow. Yeah, the dietitian's plan. But yeah, no, what really worked for me was like obviously having the family support and um, like my mum literally creating meal plans for me, especially of foods that I liked. And another thing that we did together, which seems quite patronising, um, but at the time really helped is I literally wrote down a list of all of the foods that I hadn't eaten for the last however long that I really, really wanted to be able to, at the time, challenge myself to have. So it was things like um, I hadn't had pasta for ages, I hadn't had pizza for ages, I hadn't had chocolate bars for ages. And me and my mum literally wrote a list of all of the things and then went through and like ticked them off. Oh, that's really cool. I included them. So I literally had a chocolate bar every other day kind of thing until I worked my way through them all but that really helped as well Ed I think you're on mute <laughs> were burgers on the list I mean they actually weren't because I've never have I I don't think you're going to actually kill me for this I don't think I've ever had a burger a beef burger out at a restaurant I don't even know what to say. I'm stopping the recording and you, I'm you've, going to go. You're person. Like, you're, pizza. You've literally just broken my heart. Oh. I, I thought you said you'd back. listened to this podcast before. I know. <laughs> you've, you've seen enough of my Instagram to know that should not have been said. I know. But I thought, oh. I'd, I thought we were being open and honest. <laughs> we are. We are. Well, we, I'll, I'll go out. I'm going on holiday tomorrow, so I'll make sure that I have a burger on on holiday, and I'll post it everywhere. Are, are you coming to the um, conference in September? Yes, yeah, I am. I'll rectify that then. Okay. Are you going the day before to the um, vision day? Uh, hopefully. I I don't actually know what my plans are, but I would like to, so. 
we're we're definitely getting burgers on the Friday night. So okay, I'll ask I'll ask Martin if I can come up. I'm sure he won't mind. <laughs> we'll ask. <laughs> we'll ask. We'll, we'll hopefully get him on soon. Anyway, so we'll we'll yeah, put him into that. Yeah, he's all over the pod. He's all on loads of podcasts. Yeah, sure he's like, he likes game. to talk, doesn't he? Yeah, I mean, it's his ideal ideal job, just going on podcasts and having a chat. Mm. It's a good good job. He's good to listen to. So yeah, <laughs> well, I spent um, a year listening to him, and I still listen to him on podcasts. So yeah, yeah, it takes a lot to get bored of him. <laughs> um, I, I don't know if you've kind of finished on that point, but what I did want to ask. Away from the like the nutritional, the food side of it, was there anything you did in terms of kind of your exercising? So obviously you were a triathlete. You did obviously I assume you just loads of cycling, running. Uh-huh. Um, did that obviously was that any kind of kind of hamper your recovery in any way in terms of the you know you talked about being allowed to exercise? I guess there's going to be points where you just desperately would wanted to do it but weren't allowed or were told not to. How did that kind of pan out, or what was your experience with the actual exercise side? So um, when I was first diagnosed, I was told I wasn't allowed to. Um, wasn't allowed to exercise so I was and actually when I was really ill I didn't have the energy to exercise so it was almost like a relief being told that you weren't I wasn't allowed to exercise um and then it was when I went to uni that first time so when I went to Southampton that I picked up the kind of the cardio side of things so I started running a lot I started cycling a lot um I did triathlon basically um then so I suppose no one was telling me I can exercise at uni so I'd gone from not being allowed to suddenly allowed. So it was like, woohoo, yay. But then when I left uni, um, I was told that I had to stop again because um, I'd relapsed. And then it was then that I started building back in my exercise in a healthier way. So I think for me, actually having a period of time where I got comfortable with eating food and eating enough calories without it being related to exercise and exercise performance um really really helped my mindset and then it was a case of okay so you're allowed to exercise three times a week not too much and you have to eat back the calories um that you burn but I actually think for me mindset wise is because it made me feel so good I was more than happy at this point to eat back the calories and more if it meant that I could do it because I'd had like obviously like quite a long period of time where I wasn't allowed just the feeling of being in the fresh air and me and my dad always used to cycle together um so being allowed to do that again um and then obviously when I got introduced to strength training as well it became my PT also had like it had had an eating disorder in her younger years so she really understood where I was coming from and she really helped to reassure me that actually the food that I was eating was fueling my exercise performance. And I did gain like a good amount of muscle mass, newbie gains kind of thing. Um, and I did start to look better, feel better um, and obviously perform better. But I think having that period of time without exercise was what helped me reintroduce it healthily. Did that answer the question? Yeah, yeah, definitely. I'm still waiting for my newbie gains as well. So you can tell me when they come around. Stop <laughs> exercising for a while and then start and they come. I don't, uh, yeah, that's quite interesting, actually. I might try that. <laughs> but actually, one thing to, um, like, I think what does answer the question is I probably had to push my calories a lot higher because I was exercising. 
and because I was um, like gaining muscle mass I did yeah I had to push my calories up to about I think at one point I was literally maintaining my weight at 2500 as a small female yeah I guess like um I'm trying to tiptoe around saying it, but I don't know how else to say it. So I'm just going to be blunt as I usually am. I guess for a healthy-minded individual, um, that's obviously a really good thing to have. But I guess when you've probably still got obviously some sort of um, issues there, I guess it's quite a difficult thing to deal with. Is it to think, oh, I like that? That seems like a lot of calories. Maybe I can't eat that many. I don't, I don't know if you felt like that or. It's funny because. At times, I would compare myself to other people, and I was especially bad to compare myself to my family. Mm. So I would want my mum to be eating as much as me. I would want almost someone else to validate that it was a normal amount to eat. But on the same accord, I was almost obsessed with pushing my metabolism to its absolute maximum. So Mm. I almost loved the fact that I was maintaining my weight on so many calories because I thought it was really, really cool that I could eat all of this food. And in my head, it was like, oh, well, ha, to everybody else that maintains on a thousand calories less. It almost became like, stupidly enough, like almost a badge of honor, like like where I can eat this food and not gain weight. That's that's almost like a big problem in the fitness industry anyway, isn't it? I mean, you just all you got to do is go on Instagram or Facebook and you see that kind of claim constantly. Yeah. Maintaining on 4,000. You think, no, you're not. you obviously got to be a very active individual with a very active job or you need to be pretty large to kind of hit those sort of numbers for most people because I guess if you talk about some of the nutrition groups that we either all involved in or or whatever there's plenty of people in there and Ed you were talking the other day with someone saying that their BMR was something like 1800 calories or something like for a small female she wasn't small um she was I think 93 kilos I didn't mean that in a bad way that came across really bad didn't it (laughs) no she was about 93 kilos but um so no, not like I, I wouldn't like to ask how much you weigh, Fran, but I, I can't imagine you weigh 93 kilos. Um, the point I was making is you, you kind of obviously got into conversation around why she wasn't losing weight, and it's because she's saying, Well, my BMR is this high, and I suppose the point you have to make is so very rarely do you actually see someone's BMI at her statistics almost that high, so maybe she's overestimating or compensating for how much she, she actually needs. Unless you're Mr. Keto maintaining on 5,000 calories. We don't know how he's doing now, do we? No, it's because we all got blocked. Yeah, we did get blocked for that one. So I want to see the results of that. Blocks. Say again? I'm probably not blocked. Uh, what was his name? Oh, I don't know. We can't don't name say him, it. Can we? Don't say it. No, we'll send it. We'll send it to you. <laughs> can, you not, can you not beep it out? If I say Palmer is surname, we had a funny surname. And <laughs> Ed, you have to bleep that out. Um, Look him up, and obviously, because he was doing an experiment of basically claiming that calories don't matter in a ketogenic diet. So, therefore, he's going to go into a large surplus eating 5,000 a day for two weeks no, three weeks, 21 days, wasn't it? And essentially said, I will not gain any weight. So, um, or any significant weight is, I think, the words he used. So, obviously, we're saying, well, okay. And obviously, it just, we all got into a large debate. Um, some of us were providing scientific studies, some weren't. And then next we know most of us are blocked. And now we can't see the results. Because to be fair, he seemed like quite a decent guy and genuine in that he was honestly saying that if his um, hypothesis was incorrect, he would say and he would like, obviously state the results. 
but we can't find out because we've been blocked. So he probably jacked his knee up like to a ridiculous amount, doing like forty thousand steps a day, three weight training sessions, and a cardio session just to compensate. I kind of said that, and I was, he was a big guy as well. Like I think he was he was obviously he weighed quite a lot. So to be honest, his his kind of maintenance levels wouldn't have been too far off that anyway. I'd feel pretty sick eating that much fat though. Mm. Yeah. Like it would because to be keto as well, it would have had to be relatively low protein. So it's not even like you can go out and eat steak the whole day, is it? No. Well, he, he I think he still put two hundred grams of protein in, but obviously five thousand calories that was still only like the twenty percent marker or whatever it worked out as. So. But if he was on two hundred grams of protein, he's not in ketosis. Exactly. Well, we kind of. We had that debate around because obviously a percentage rather than a gram amount is it still low enough? None of us were really sure actually. I'm not sure either. No, no. Anyway, anyway. <laughs> yeah, tangent. Tangent. <laughs> um, yeah, I was going to actually ask. Like, obviously, recovery and sort of illnesses that there, so always going to be ongoing. Um, what sort of I don't want to say coping, but support strategies do you have now still? Do you have them in place, like sort of in place that you'll go to if you start feeling a bit sort of, yeah. I don't know, I don't, how to approach that sort of a bit wayward and or sort of backslide, backtracking a little bit in your sort of progress forward? Yeah. And on, and on that, that's, that's kind of what I was going to ask as well. So just if I can just that tap it on the uh, tag it on the end, um, I was going to ask, like, do you feel like you're always going to have any any kind of issues or that illness will ever kind of leave or do you think it's kind of something you can fully recover from so it's actually really interesting because me and my mum were talking about this the other day and I think it's worth saying that everything I've spoken about so far was about three four no four years ago now um so and it was all um sort of when I would classify myself as in recovery and since then since I classified myself as sort of physically recovered and mentally recovered I definitely still went through cycles where I kept finding a new level of balance and I kept sort of going oh actually that old habit that I have actually was probably left over from my eating disorder so over the last three or four years I think I have sort of um, come even further along the road um, in terms of recovery and I was talking to my mum and I would have class, like I would say that I have been fully mentally recovered for about at least a year and a half, if not two years. And to a point where I never, when I was in sort of like the semi, the bit in between when I was physically recovered and sort of now, I, like I never thought it would be possible to get to the point that I'm at now and I'm actually at a point now where it really 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 is one of my biggest bugbears when I hear people or see people on social media that have had an eating disorder and they're like you will always live with it it will always be with you there will always be a part of it that stays with you because I genuinely 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 can't even think in the way that I used to think like it the thought process like I literally can't even comprehend what was going through my mind back then and I think to me now I literally feel I would say a hundred percent recovered and I don't think there would be any way that I would go backwards to the point now that I have a healthier relationship with food and exercise than 
the large majority of people that I see online, a large majority of my friends. I mean, you only have to get chatting to someone to sort of hear them say like, oh, well, I'm, I feel really guilty for the meal I had last night or, oh, I'm trying low carb for a little while or like hear some kind of distorted or someone that's really, really unhappy with their body um, or something like that. So I think the fact that a lot of people have a skewed relationship with food and exercise anyway, I feel like the position I'm in now, because I have had that bad relationship with food and I now recognise it in myself and in other people, that I'm actually in the strongest position possible now. Yeah, so like you, you feel like you've almost recovered up to and beyond like the majority of the population. I mean, that makes me sound like I feel like I'm above other people when I do. No, 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 I, 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 no, not at all, not at all. I think I know exactly what you mean in terms of, I think far, there's far more people, or people have far more issues. Honestly, I am absolutely generalising, I guess, but a lot of people have far more issues than they know in terms of, even if it's not necessarily as significant as to be anywhere considered disordered eating or an eating disorder, but things like you said, I feel guilty about having that meal last night. I guess they're not exactly healthy tendencies. So the fact that you've managed to recover and build up obviously all of your, your strength or mental strength, all this stuff to deal with these sort of things through education, obviously all of your experience, it does kind of mean actually, you know, you're probably in a, in a far stronger mental position than a lot of people. Yeah. I it, like, I, I do think that this sounds so cliche, but it literally has made me mentally stronger than I would have been if I didn't go through that experience. Like, I think even before I had an eating disorder, I had relatively low self-esteem, as in, like, I wasn't particularly confident in myself and my own abilities. Whereas now I feel like I know myself a lot more. I, like, it sounds really, like, airy-fairy, but I feel like I know myself a lot more. And I know the parts of my personality that can become very obsessive and that can um, sort of be a bit all or nothing. Um, so because I recognise them and I know them, I can manage them. Does that make sense? Yeah, do you, do you find yourself able to sort of find things that are healthier to channel them into things, I suppose? Yeah, so I suppose, like, if, for example, I have a, I don't know, a deadline at uni or a project that I get really involved in or like a competition I know that I can be very tunnel visioned um and like focus in on it um but at the same time I also recognize that if I like I recognize it quite quickly if I got if I get obsessive about anything else outside of that so for example I mean, a really, really recent example is literally I started CrossFit a month ago and after the first week, I was like, I love it. I'm going every single day. And it took me a week of doing that before at the end of the week, I was like, right, now I feel really fatigued. This isn't sustainable and this isn't going to get me anywhere in the long run. So it literally took me a week to be like, mm, probably shouldn't get so obsessed over it so quickly kind of thing. Cool. Earlier um, on, sorry if I just back backtracking a little bit. Um, you mentioned about your like your parents cheering you on for like eating a chocolate bar or whatever. You, 
I suppose it's probably different for many people, but would, especially when you were starting to eat stuff and people were noticing that, would you want people to um, make note of it? Would you want people to kind of be like, oh, you're eating? Or would you rather people just kind of not mention it and you just let you get on with what you were, what you were doing? Yeah, that's a really, really good question, actually. Um, and my mum used to say to me, I never know what to say to you because I never know whether to let it slide or whether to, like, cheer you on. Um, so it's worth saying that my Instagram account actually started as a recovery account. So I would use it as my sort of accountability. Um, and I quickly really, really started to enjoy the fact that when I um, had something like a chocolate bar, other people with um, eating problems saw it and were inspired by it and would congratulate me for it. And I also liked that my um, my parents were really, really happy because obviously seeing them um, in such a dark place because of my illness, to see that what I was doing was starting to sort of like give them some sense of relief as well was really really good so in things like when I was challenging a certain food for example like like pasta or the pizza or something I did like when I was acknowledging and I was going right this is hard for me I did like other people were acknowledging and sort of like saying well done but I think the further down the line of my recovery it got and the more I transitioned into normal life it was like my parents had to transition into me becoming normal as well and people around me had to transition into me becoming normal in that like when we went out for dinner like I didn't want them to be thinking oh this is good that Fran's having pizza now as I was sort of getting better and freer I didn't want them to always be so on my case and always sort of thinking about what I was eating and it took my parents a little while to get used to the fact that um like when I say oh just serve me a portion of potatoes that like they don't have to be thinking oh god what's the right amount of potatoes to serve her it was kind of like I don't feel like I've explained this very well but at the beginning I really really liked the praise and as I transitioned into normal I wanted my parents and people around me to sort of acknowledge that I was becoming normal but not necessarily so verbally and in your face if that makes sense it does yeah 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 um did have another question as well uh, oh uh, have you because I know this all started when you tried to diet uh, when you were sort of 15, 16, um, have you gone through a dieting phase since being fully recovered? Um, yes, I have. So since being fully recovered, I have tracked my macros. I have not tracked my macros. Um, I have been through a controlled bulking phase. Um, literally for about a year, I was bulking. Um, I say bulking because I just don't really like the word, but I was in a calorie surplus. So obviously that was um, sort of like a fairly tracked calorie surplus, but being flexible at the same time. And I have had times where when I eat intuitively, I tend to drop a few pounds, like one or two quite like without 
thinking about it and then I usually maintain about where I'm maintaining now by eating quite intuitively um and I have been through two short little mini mini cuts but literally just when my bulk got to the point where I started to feel slightly bit like slightly uncomfortable so I just kind of reined it back in I didn't I've never sort of gone on a contest prep diet for example but I have been in sort of a deficit for a six-week period to get myself back to a point where I'm feeling sort of like more comfortable um, and then gone on and eaten intuitively to maintain from that kind of thing. And that maybe the, the, like the first time you did that, it, did it worry you at all because that's kind of where it all started? Or I think by this point, like I wouldn't have tried it like say two years ago, for example, but by this point, I did have quite a good grasp on um, on my own, on my mindset and where I was at. So I always knew that I would only do it for as long as I wanted. And because I have I have such a good awareness now of like what the warning signs is if it started to get obsessive, or if my training started to plummet, or those things. Because I had a good idea of what the warning signs would be if it were. Um, would ever go back down that route even though I don't think it ever would um like I was quite comfortable with what I was doing and the other really like good thing was I spoke to my parents or I spoke to my not my parents my mum um about it and I said look I've got to a point where I'm a little bit uncomfortable like I'm well like I have the knowledge now to just be able to sort of track for a few weeks rein it back in and she actually said like I'm fully confident in you, like, you know what you're doing, um, like, I have belief in you that it's never going to go back down that way, so almost having my mum, who's, like, who knows me inside out, have that belief that it would never go back into an eating disorder as well, sort of gave me the confidence to do that, um, and I, I, yeah, like I said, gone through two periods of that now, and both times, sort of, has, I, like, I've enjoyed the process, um and then not really thought much of it when I go back to main just maintaining sort of thing but I'm never going to be someone that likes dieting because I like food and I like training and I like eating lots of cereal just um I suppose just to kind of round up a bit because uh we're getting a little bit of the time are there any sort of any immediate or really kind of what you would consider common signs that people should look out for in themselves to to anyone that might be kind of going down similar avenues? So I would think definitely if you um, are getting to a point where you are stressing overly about what you are eating that day or what you're eating the next day, um, or even like say your friends ask you um, out for dinner at the weekend, if that's becoming an unnecessary stress, then that should be a warning sign to you because like at the end of the day, one meal out or one day off track is never going to derail your progress. Even like, even if you have like a cheat day and you just go all out, it's never going to completely ruin you. Like nothing is, nothing is set in stone forever. You're always going to be able to recover from that. And it's not hard to sort of like 
to rein it back in if you go on a two-week holiday and you just relax and you enjoy your food like it's not irreversible so I'd say if you yeah if you start to become stressed about those sorts of things definitely and the other thing that I see quite commonly is people starting to track macros and then becoming more and more obsessed with hitting macros like on the dot or um, like worrying about sort of like the calories or the macros for that day rather than taking a step back and thinking okay today I was a little bit more hungry tomorrow I might be a little bit less hungry and like seeing it as a bigger picture over a week or even over like a two-week period and um third one would be obsession with the scale because I see it so flipping often where someone will be more than happy with their physique and then because the scale has gone up it sends them into a negative headspace or they will see the scale go down and that will be like rewarding to them when in reality fluctuations <laughs> like fluctuations happen and the number on the scale shouldn't define how you feel about your body it shouldn't define how you go about your day um and yeah so they're probably the three things cool thank you that was awesome I don't know, boys, have you got anything else you want to add before we move on to the, uh, the more funny bit? No, it's no, been... I it's just a very interesting and amazing sort of journey, I guess. And yeah. I think you've done... Obviously, has made you a lot mentally stronger, and that's really great to see, and hopefully... Admirable. Anybody that is kind of struggling out there, or it will resonate with people, I'm sure, that listen. And hopefully, yeah. That's good. A good way to get help. I, I just want to say a big thank you for being so open and honest about it. I, I don't know if it is. You didn't come across like it was difficult to talk about at all. And I guess it really shows how how kind of cool you are with it all. I mean, I think this is probably the first time that I've spoken about it on social media or like really, really openly. But the fact that I'm so like, like I really want to talk about my story because I really want to help other people. It's just obviously having the outlet to do that. Mm. And I think as well, I want, like, it's okay to talk about it and it's okay to be like, yes, in the past I've struggled. It's not like my big dark secret. I don't want people to think like, oh, that's a subject area we can never breach with yeah. her for a time in her life that we can't talk to her about because it's not like it's a part of me and it's got me to where I am today. Mm. And if this can help anyone else, then great. Awesome. Just one very quick, uh, I suppose, kind of more roundup thing than anything. Where are you at now? What are you doing? Um, yeah. So I have just finished my placement with Mac Nutrition, like you guys mentioned earlier. So that was a really, really cool year. Like I can't even like begin to put into words how much I learned. Like if I could have not done a degree and just gone and worked straight for Martin, then I think I would have got more out of four years working there than doing my degree but anyway that's another story um so um when I was at Mac Nutrition I was taking on I worked with a few girls um like a few people in person at the gym I work at back home and a few people online uh with training programming because I learned a lot or I read a lot um and obviously I'm fully qualified so I did a little bit of training programming online and I was didn't want to take on anyone for nutrition while I was still at Mac Nutrition because obviously it's like conflicting um, conflicting 
like I don't even know what the word is but yeah so um now I finished I am working with a few girls on training and nutrition primarily online and through Skype and I absolutely flip and love it because it's so rewarding and it's like it's basically just helping people which is what I've wanted to do all of this time so it's why I'm doing my degree it's why I did my personal trainer course it's why I invest so much time in learning um so yeah I'm doing that I am working in a gym over the summer I'm teaching a few spin classes here and there and then I'm going back to finish my final year um studying sport and exercise science at Loughborough in October so yeah cool Cool. Right. So should we get to the fun bit? Yeah. So for guests, we do like to ask a few funny questions. I say funny, you know, I think they're funny, but then most people listening probably think they are lame. Um, I nearly saw then. We haven't saw so far, actually, have we? We can yeah. even... Re- I probably oh. have. Have you? Oh, I was going to say I we actually get our first know. non... I say it could be our first non-explicit podcast. PG rating. <laughs> I think we're just like um, default set for explicit. Yeah, probably should. I do have a bit of a potty mouth, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, so yeah, just a few simple but easy, but hopefully funny questions. Um, so, what is your favourite flexible food? Ooh, flexible I mean, it's going to have to be ice cream. Ice cream. I just, I mean, ask any of the girls that I lived with last year. I would go through. A tub or two a week. Well, which... Pick what one flavour, one brand, one flavour. So I'm not great with dairy. Like if I eat too much of it, then it has a bit of a bad effect on my stomach. But if I did have to go with one flavour, it would have to probably be Ben and Jerry's, either cookie dough or switched up. Either one of those two. Okay. The new, the, the, there's new ones out, aren't there? But the topped, a thick layer of stuff on the top. I have no, chocolate on the top. I've got one downstairs. It's like a salt caramel pieces, and it's amazing. Just so he's off to get his. Yeah, that's the a winner. I literally, I flipping love ice cream. I just if there's one, if there's one you've got to have. Oh, yeah, that, that is a good one. No, one sweet world. Oh, I haven't that's, had that one. That's the one. So it is coffee, co- coffee caramel with swells of marshmallow, salted caramel, and chocolatey chunks. Wow. I, I can genuinely say it's the best ice cream I've ever eaten, other than one pumpkin spiced cheesecake, which you oh, cannot get anymore. Yes. Oh, my gosh. I tried that when it was here. That was really good. Yeah. I had, I had a pint in my freezer for, well, probably two years, and I got it out one autumn because it's, you know, autumnal. Yeah. And uh, my Instagram went mad. I think it got about a thousand likes within about like two days because everyone was like, "Where the hell did that come from?" I was like, I've just I've just managed to like store it in my freezer for so long. So oh, that's so good. I love that flavor. Um, the, the next question is pretty wasted on you because it's usually what's the best burger joint you've been to, but we've already found the answer out. So why don't you just let us know what's your favorite restaurant? My favorite restaurant. I mean. I love Nando's, and that's really, really boring, but I love Nando's. Um, I also really, really like um, just pizza. I like pizza and Nando's. Anywhere that does good pizza or Nando's. 
Okay. So if anyone wants to take me on a date to any of those places, I'm more than happy. <laughs> we'll give you a chance at the end to throw out your socials, so don't worry. <laughs> what uh, What is the best piece of advice you've ever been given? Doesn't Ooh. have Doesn't have to be fitness or nutrition related either. It can be anything you want. If you want it to be fitness and nutrition, fine. But oh, um, I don't know. But really, really gay. But I have it tattooed on me. It says uh, you can't see it. It no. says be true. And it's basically been like my motto throughout my whole life. My mum's always said, it doesn't matter, just be true to yourself and everything will work out in the end. So probably oh, that's that. cool. No, that's cool. Last one, last question, unless these two can think of anything better to ask. <laughs> but I like, this is a good one. Ed, I'm going to bring your question out. <laughs> All right. No, all right, no, I'll leave that one. Would you, would you, would you, <laughs> we'll, we'll give you that question uh, offline if you like. Okay. Uh, this one's safe for work. So what would you, what would you rather be attacked by? One horse sized duck or a hundred duck sized horses? One horse sized duck or a hundred duck sized horses. Now just bear in mind how big horses are. Horses are big. So a duck as big as a horse. And it's or, trying to attack like, you. I actually, I actually have a massive fear of swans so like in Loughborough there's a river that I used to go running up and down and I went once and it was just full of swans so I sacked the run in and just went home because <laughs> <laughs> the swan. that's funny Se- second guest in a row that's had a fear of birds <laughs> so probably oh I don't know probably the horse sized duck because it's only one and I could run whereas a hundred of them I feel like they would corner you so and and horses are very quick and muscular and hard. Yeah, but you didn't say that it was like a horse. You said it was horse-sized, but it's still a duck, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm saying. And so the, the the fact that you'd have a hundred horses otherwise, then oh right, yeah, yeah. yeah. maybe maybe a good good attitude. Okay, yeah. cool. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, again, big thank you. For coming on i said i really appreciate the uh, the openness of it i think hopefully everyone will get take a lot from this and you know help some people that maybe could could have some sort of kind of suffering themselves i guess because that's what we want to do like you say is just helping people and it's you know as they always with on this podcast let's be honest what or where can people find you so um instagram facebook obviously maybe talk about anything's going on maybe any sort of co- coaching stuff you've got going that you want to promote yeah so um my main social media um, sort of place is Instagram. So that is, I changed my name recently. It's Francesca underscore Bolt. Let me double check that. I think it is. Un- oh, I think it's underscore. So if not, we'll, po- we'll post links in the show notes. So don't worry. Or Ed will. It's, it's Francesca underscore Bolt. And then um, through my bio in my Instagram, you can get a link to my Facebook group, which is called Bolt Coaching. And I also have a Facebook page called um, Bolt Coaching. And there you can get links to all of my um, coaching stuff and just drop me a message on Instagram or Facebook. And I'm more than happy to chat to anyone that found this useful or wants to know more about coaching. Awesome. Cool. We are, taking, we are taking back that word, aren't we? We've got to take back that word. Yeah, taking back all. Keep using it every week. Awesome. Yeah. Oh. I'm gonna, you can say it. I'm going to start hashtagging things a bit again. Bring it back. I mean... I invested a lot of money in that word, actually. Just don't yeah. don't name a company after it. No. No. I mean, but I invested a lot of money, lost money in that. Yeah. So I'm taking it back. 
I reckon if you named the company after it, it'd probably be shit anyway. <laughs> anyway, on that note, on that note, Ed, it might be time to push the button. Yeah, I think we should go. Thanks, Fran. <laughs> Thanks for listening to the No Nonsense Nutrition Podcast. We'll speak to you all next week.